great to be with you. Lord Jesus, would you bless us as we, as we take time to examine your word and allow the truth of who you are to impact our hearts and to change us. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for this opportunity. We're so grateful to be in a community of people that love you. Lord God, thank you. Knit us in. Make us, make us one like you are one, Lord God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, we are continuing our sermon series, Encounter God. When I was approximately eight years old, I went to the circus. Those of you who have not been to the circus, will you come with me? I'm going to, I'm going to let you into my circus experience. I want you to imagine with me, you're sitting there the, around the big circle. You've got candy floss in one hand. You've got a Coke in the other hand. And yes, your mom is going to regret that decision very much in the evening. But for now, you are having a blast. Circus is going on. The, the horses have just left the ring. So there is there's still sawdust in the air, kind of a hazy feel. And then... There's a loud drum roll and the ringmaster comes out and he says, we are now having the, the greatest act of our circus and out come the trapeze artists in their, in their sparkly lycra outfits and they climb up the two rope ladders on either side of the tent to the, to the swings that are high up near the top of the tent. They start practicing, and then they start their routine, and there are swings and whoops and um, somersaults and catches, and everyone's gasping and marveling as they fly through the air. And then there is another loud drum roll, and the ringmaster stands up, and he says, they are now about to do a never-before-performed feat. Of course, they've done four shows that day, and they've been every day for the last week. But nonetheless, a never-before-performed feat. They, the guy, our two best trapeze artists are going to do a triple somersault through the air and be caught right in mid-somersault. The entire audience is silent. Trapeze man one launches off. He does a few swings to get momentum, and then he launches himself into the air. Three magnificent somersaults. As he's doing them, trapeze man two launches off from the other side, arms ready to catch him. And as he finishes his last somersault, he stretches out his arms to reach for trapeze man two. And everyone is silent. Will he make it? Will it happen? Mostly it does. Mostly they grasp hands and swing back and everything's fine and everyone is applauds. But every now and then, I've been to the circus a number of times, every now and then, he just misses and oh, his hands like scrape the other guys, but he misses. And you are like, oh no, as he plunges to the ground to certain death. But while you were busy watching everything above, the circus ground crew have pulled out a massive net and they've put it across the entire bottom area of the circus, about one or two meters above the ground. And so instead of plunging to his death, he bounces happily on the net, bounces back to his feet, runs over to the rope ladder, climbs up to do it again. <laughs> Welcome to the circus. 
You know, doing difficult things are much easier when you have a safety net. God took a risk on you and me right at the beginning. He gave us the earth and he said, rule it on my behalf. That was a risk. You know why he could do it? Because he had a safety net in place. He knew that no matter what happened, no matter what mistakes we would make, his nature was to bring everything back to the perfect created order. In other words, he had laid himself as a safety net under us. Because you see, our God is a missional God. The safety net under all of creation is this aspect of God's nature that he is a missional God, that he desires, or he innate in him rather, is this, this concept that he will always, always seek that which is broken to bring it back to wholeness. Within him is this nature that no matter what is going on, no matter how broken, how, how destitute, how alone, how ungodly a situation is, he will always be intervening to bring that back to wholeness. It's his nature. He's not trying to do it. He's not making it up. It's just who he is. So I want to jump to the next slide, and I am changing my own slides today. There we go. Have you ever being asked this question. If God is so good, why do many, so many bad things happen? Have you ever been asked that question? If you haven't, it's coming, I promise you that. If God is so good, why do so many bad things happen? I'm going to give you one answer. There are many answers. It's, not, it's not, actually not a hard question to answer. But you see, God created the, the world good when, and gave us free will. Evil does not emanate from the, from the nature or the heart of God. Evil emanates from mankind every time they choose to do something outside of God. We invent evil every time we turn our back on God. A evil emanates from a heart separated from God. As I said, God took this giant risk. He gave the earth to us because he loved us that much and he wanted us to learn how to express his nature in, in nature. He wanted us to learn how to appropriate who he was and bring it into all of earth. But right from the beginning, he laid a safety net under that risk, and his name is Jesus. Under all of that, he, he put his arms of love and he said, no matter what happens, no matter how much evil they invent, ah, my goodness, will bring all of that back to the way it was meant to be. I am guaranteeing their future by my own blood. I want to talk about the missional nature of God, and I'm going to jump to a passage of Scripture that's in Luke 10, 
It's a very famous passage of scripture. Jesus is sending out his 72 disciples. He sent out his 12 before, and now he's sending out 72 just ordinary men and women to go before him. And it's almost as if he's asking them to begin laying the safety nest of his redemptive power. To go into the towns and speak of who he is. This portion of scripture is so rich with so much. There are 25 sermons in this portion of scripture. Luckily, I'm only going to preach one of them. But I encourage you to read this portion over and over again and find those other sermons for yourself. But after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house. Sorry, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to your feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. So I'm going, to, I'm going to pick and choose out of that sermon, out of that passage, because it is so rich. But there are three phrases in there that shock me every time I read it. And the first one is, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I first read that when I was at university. I had just gotten saved, and I was sharing Jesus with everyone I knew. I mean, every conversation I had with my friends, Jesus came into it, what Jesus had done for me. And, you know, I wasn't met with, with resistance. I was met with, like, blank faces, open mouths, like, what on earth has happened to Carol? She's like, she's speaking Greek. So when I read, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, I was shocked because I was like, that implies that every time I share Jesus, like people should just fall on their faces and say, yes, we want him. That, you know, everywhere we go, people should be asking you, like, how do I get saved? What do I need to do to know God? But that was not my experience. Has it been your experience? And yet Jesus said this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So how do we put these two worlds together? The question I ask myself as I read this is, how did Jesus know that the harvest was plentiful? I mean, how did he know? It's not like he'd gone and, and canvassed everyone, spoken, and then, and then he made the statement. How did he know that people in his environment were ready to know God? How did he know that? The answer is simple. I hope you've brought it to your mind as I've been speaking. The Holy Spirit told him. 
How did Holy Spirit know? Holy Spirit was already at work in the harvest. He was already at work in the people around Jesus in that area, sharing with them, bringing to mind things they needed to know, to know creating in them hunger, touching them, speaking to them, leading them. So that when Jesus was going to send out these 72, he was absolutely sure that the harvest was plentiful because the Holy Spirit had told him, because the Holy Spirit was there in the harvest doing work. I dare say to you that that is as true now as it ever has been. Is that everywhere you go, you will never meet a person that the Holy Spirit is not already at work in. You see, my problem in my naivety, in my like newly saved zeal, I was just like saying all the first things that came to mind, just blasting in there. What I wasn't doing, I wasn't listening to Holy Spirit. I wasn't listening to the people. So I wasn't able to catch what Holy Spirit was doing in their life so that I could partner with him. I was just kind of going in like a bulldozer. It, I, I'm here to tell you it's not a good tactic. doesn't seem to work very well. I'm going to tell you a better way. But you see, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers of you, you see, Holy Spirit is already at work in everyone you meet. And our job to partner with the missional nature of God, remember, there's a safety net. He's already putting some, something under everyone's life. He's already working in every heart. So my job now is to, when I interface with people, is to start asking these questions in my own mind. What is God doing in their life? Holy Spirit, what are you doing? How do we get that right? We have in our world this, is it called an acronym? Where it's just the first letter is a, is a word in a sentence. So we, um, we have this acronym that helps us co-labor with Holy Spirit as he's working in people's lives. It's called SALT, and it goes like this. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen, tell your or his story. So in essence, what we do is we just start conversations with you, with, with people. I'm sure someone started a conversation with you once, but just start conversations with them. Ask them how their day's been. Ask them how they're coping with the work. Ask them what's up with their family. Just start a conversation. Tell them that they, their jersey looks fantastic. That you like their shoes, whatever it is. They've got a fantastic smile. Just start a conversation. Because Holy Spirit's already there. So all you're doing is you're signaling to Holy Spirit, I'm here too. Start a conversation. Then just start asking questions. I've got some questions that can help you here. How about, have you thought the, about the meaning of life? I know that's like a deeply philosophical one. I wouldn't start with that. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't lead with that. Maybe I'd lead with nice shoes. But you can get to these, these kind of conversations as, you, as you've known people for a while. How about, I noticed that you seem down lately. What's up? <laughs> Interesting, what's down? What motivates you these days at work or at school? 
and then you listen to their responses. And in their responses, you, you're, asking, you're asking Holy Spirit to give you a clue. And then you're not going to lecture them. You're not going to tell them how bad they are or how good they are, what they need to do with their life. You're simply going to tell your story. You're going to notice something in how they communicate to you that reminds you of something Holy Spirit has done in your life. And you're simply going to say, you know, I, yeah, I felt that too. You know, I felt lonely so many times. And one of the things God does in my life when, I, when I'm feeling lonely, he reminds me of his presence, that, that he's always with me. That through Jesus, I can, I can always be with God. And then instead of getting weird and embarrassed, because you know how it is, after you've been vulnerable, you just feel weird. You're going to carry on talking as if that was the most normal thing in the world. They will be going, they will be gulping inside. Holy Spirit will be prompting, pushing, pulling, turning. But you're just going to keep going. And you're going to leave a little bit of mystery at the end of it. You're not necessarily going to resolve it with the full gospel. You're just going to leave them wanting some more. They're going to go away and they're going to think, you know what, that's so wild. That Carol resolves her loneliness that way. And who knows, the next day they might ask you questions about it. Or next day you might just start another conversation and say something more. Eventually they're going to go, please, what is this with Jesus? tell me. Or it may not even get there. It may simply be that, that over time you are able to say, you know where I, where I most find my fulfillment and I'm able to, to learn these things and put them into action is when I go to church and I'm with other people who, who love God like I do. Or I'm with a community that accepts me and believes in me. Would you like to join me? Would you like to come to a small group I have where people, where we get to ask these real questions. We don't ha have all the answers, but we get to ask the questions amongst people who are also on a journey towards Christ, a journey towards finding our truth. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen, tell your story. Another phrase in there that just really freaks me out. Really, really freaks me out. Jesus, you know, the way Jesus said it is so like jolly. You know, it's so like, go your way, behold, like he's about to say a glorious thing. And then he says, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I mean, it's like, behold, glorious things are to come. I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. <clears throat> It makes me feel like a bride chop, you know? I mean, on a scale of one to ten, where do you put the, the longevity of those lambs? You know, just like really low. I mean, we don't have many wolves in South Africa, but you know, you've heard the stories. <clears throat> I'm sending you out like lambs amongst the wolves. It's like gladiator, just horror version. <coughs> In order to explain this, excuse me. 
There we go. Voice back. In order to explain this, I want to tell you this, this really remarkable experience I had that God really spoke to me through. So I was making dinner. When I spoke through my sermon with Andrew, his immediate response was, that must have been a long time ago. I said, yes, dear, can I make you some dinner tonight? But I was making dinner, and at that stage, we lived in a house that had granite tops in the kitchen, hard, solid, beautiful granite tops. And I was making a salad, and I went and got the salad dressing from the fridge, and I, I kind of swung it towards the countertop where I was planning to put it on top of the countertop next to the salad I was making. As I swung it, I clipped the edge of the granite top. Immediately in your heart, you know what, what would have happened. That salad, it was a glass salad bottle. That glass salad bottle would have smashed, I mean, it's hitting granite, would have smashed Salad dressing everywhere, dribbling down the side of the counters, pooling on the floor, bits of glass everywhere, disaster. I am not lying when I tell you this. The salad dressing bottle did not break, did not crack, did not even look like it had a problem. And this is the honest truth. The granite top chipped. Even when we sold that house, we had to explain this kind of ding out of the granite top. The granite top yielded to the salad dressing bottle. And I mean, I, I, I was, I was, my mouth was wide. I was shocked. And then the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, the gentleness of my kingdom always wins over the hardness of the enemy's world. You see, so we could paraphrase this as he is sending you out as salad dressing bottles in the midst of granite tops. And you see, what we can be sure of is when you as a lamb enter into the world of wolves, you know that world of wolves that is out there? You can be sure of this. You don't need to know everything. You don't always know what you need to know what to say. You don't have to be super wise. You just have to remain with Holy Spirit, reveal the nature of, of Jesus through the gentleness and loving kindness that you exhibit to the people around you, and we have this promise that the wolves will bow. In fact, even more than that, the wolves will become lambs. It's the nature of his kingdom. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Praise the Lord. In your weakness, you are strong. You see, this is the wild thing about who we are. Is that we're not just a human being. We are a human being inhabited by the presence of God. And it's often in your weakest place that the glory of God shines through. 
I remember sitting at a mug and bean, <clears throat> excuse me, sharing with some people who were like journeying towards God, but they weren't really sure and they had lots of questions. And I remember sharing the most stumbling example of what God had done. Even when I'd finished, I felt embarrassed. I felt, you know, like no, no one's going to choose Jesus from that. And I had said this random statement that God came down in human flesh as Jesus. I, you know, it wasn't even part of what I was saying in my mind. It was just like a, an additional thing. And she stopped me at the end and she said, oh my word, God came down himself. You mean he didn't just punish his son, his son. he came down and made himself available for me. I mean, she was blown away. She said, a God who would do that, I want it. I mean, it wasn't those exact words, but you know, that's how the conversation proceeded. And she ended up being in our church and, and being a part of us. And I, I realized it's, it's the power of God in us that's actually Holy Spirit working through us when we don't even know that it's happening. There's a really famous verse in 2 Corinthians that really spells it out for us. It says, Paul, talking about a weakness that he had, like that he was probably embarrassed about, Paul the Apostle, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, says Paul, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Your weakness is your greatest strength. People don't want to hear about you being a powerful person, that somehow they have to pull up themselves up by their bootstraps and be powerful like you. They want to hear about your real ordinary life that God has impacted. They want to hear about how it's been rough for you and tough for you, and yet God has been there. Those are the stories they want to hear. Those are the stories that make a difference in their life. Yes, give the Lord a hand. I think that's a good point. Then he goes on and he says, when you're going to these different towns and you come into a town, heal the sick in the town and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. I like how just how nonchalantly he says, heal the sick. I mean, he doesn't even say, ask me to heal the sick or call on the Lord to heal the sick. He just says with the assumption that you can do it. Just heal the sick. Just go on, just go on and heal the sick. I mean, does that make you feel a little bit intimidated? Just go, just go and heal the sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, God knows something that we often forget. You have more than you think you have. Like I said earlier, you are not just a human being. You're not just just flesh and blood. You're not just the stumbling, ordinary person trying to make it through the day. You're not just that. You're a repository, which is a big word for saying you're a holder. You're a container of the presence of God. And God is a missional God. What does that mean? It means that he's at work now and always to bring what was broken back to wholeness. So when you are standing next to some kind of brokenness, there is a God inside of you ready, able, and willing to bring that thing back to wholeness. All he is asking is that you make yourself available to be the one through whom he moves. 
As you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. It's not a suggestion. It's written in the form of a command right there. Just do it. He's not even, he's not even giving you methodology. He's just saying, just do it. Don't ask how, don't ask why, just do it. Just heal the sick. And tell them the kingdom of God has come here. Now, not everyone you meet is sick. You understand that? So it's not always the right response to pray for healing, but everyone is broken in some way. So everyone needs to know that there's a solution. There's a kingdom inside of them, inside of you, and can be inside of them, that is at work to bring what is broken back to wholeness. Everyone needs to know this, and everyone you stand in front of needs to know that you trust in a God who is able to do this. So the command remains, heal the sick, restore the broken, make things right, declare to them the kingdom of God is here. Declare to them the kingdom of God is here. You have more than you think you have. And as I conclude, I guess I would like to sum up everything I have said in this one statement. God's nature guarantees a good ending to all who remain in him. God's nature guarantees a good ending to all who remain in him. It doesn't matter how bad your circumstances are. It doesn't matter how deep you have fallen. It doesn't matter how broken you feel. It doesn't matter how far away you feel from God. If you come and you remain in him, your ending will be good because the nature of God is a missional nature. He will always bring what is broken back to wholeness. He will always redeem what has been harmed. He will always do it. It's his nature. He's not trying to do it. It's just who he is. It's just who he is. God's nature guarantees a good ending to all who remain in him. And in essence, this is the gospel. This is the truth you carry everywhere you go. It's the message that is on our lips that we serve a God who's unwilling to leave anyone in pain, who's unwilling to leave anyone broken, who's unwilling to leave anyone destitute. He's just unwilling to do it. And we can carry this message into this world with confidence because it's backed, not by our words, it's backed by the nature of God as evident in Jesus Christ, him standing on earth and saying, here I am and I'm going to make this world right. Watch me. You have in your hands, in your heart, in your being, the answer to everyone's problem. His name is Jesus. He is unwilling to leave anyone that you meet in the state that they presently are. And he has a solution. And he's bringing that solution through you. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? I want to pray for three sets of people. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand if you wouldn't mind.
the first set of people that I want to pray for. Are people here that you don't have an assurance in your heart that if you died today, you would be with Jesus? You don't have an assurance in your heart that you are right with God. And you want that assurance. So I'm going to pray a prayer over everyone, and I'd love us all to pray it out loud in support of people who need this assurance. And if you, if you pray this and mean it, I would love you to put some action behind it. I'm going to ask you afterwards to come up and receive prayer. So let's pray it together. Lord Jesus, I come to you. Lord God, I surrender my life. Lord, I thank you that you're a missional God, that you came to find me. Lord, I want you to take my whole life. I give it to you. I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on the way I have been living, away from you, and I turn to you. And I say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and you you want you want something new in your life, why don't you just raise your hand? Because I'd love to actually physically pray for you. Is there anyone who prayed that? Why don't you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Can we give them a hand? I'm gonna ask you. I'm going to ask you if you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your your hand, if you would come forward right at the end. I'm going to ask the the fire squad to come forward. It's not the firing squad, by the way. It's the fire squad. They're releasing the fire of Jesus into your life. I'm going to ask them to come forward at the end, and I'd love you to come forward and just acknowledge to them that you've made that decision, and they will help you with your next steps. The next group of people that I want to pray for you feel weak and you just need to feel God's strength around you it's not like you've fallen away you're not you've not turned your back on Jesus but you feel you feel like you just want more of his strength in your life if you don't want this I'm going to invite you to sit down but if you want to just remain standing and just maybe raise your hands in a way that show that you're receiving from Jesus And I would like to pray for you. So Lord Jesus, I want to pray right now. I know it's hard to sit down after that, but you really can sit down if you want to. You really can. (laughs) But Lord Jesus, I just pray that your power and presence would come upon each and every one of these. Holy Spirit, we, we, we long to be used by you. We long that that we would be instrumental in you bringing the world back to the way it's meant to be. Holy Spirit, we long that your strength would be found in us. Lord God, we feel weak. We feel unable to cope with so many things. And yet in that weakness, we're asking you would make us strong. We're asking that you'd come and speak to us, that you'd come and deliver us from our fears and our insecurities, Lord God. Holy Spirit, you would make us whole. You would make us whole. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even now, I feel him just settling on people. There's just a, a gentle presence of Holy Spirit touching people. You know, there are some people here that you've been battling with some sickness in your body. We've had some remarkable testimonies of people who've had um, joints and uh, bones or arthritis healed. And I feel like God wants to do that for you if you're here and you've, you've got some pain in your body or some part of your body is not functioning well. I just Can we just receive His presence right now and just say yes, yes. Holy Spirit, come and make us whole. Body, mind, soul, and spirit, Lord, in every way. Strengthen us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're feeling God do something, I'm also going to invite you afterwards. Would you mind coming forward to the to the fire squad? And would you mind please just telling them what God's doing and, and get them to seal what you've felt by praying with you and standing with you and just acknowledging the work that God has done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then the last thing I want to pray is I want to pray for everyone that you know who does not know the Lord. Does everyone here know at least one person who does not know the Lord? If you don't, allow me to introduce you to some. Just come up, I'll find some, I'll introduce you. But I, I wanna pray for opportunities for you. How many of you would like some opportunities? Just raise your hand if you'd like some opportunities. Lord Jesus, I ask for every person here. Lord God, I ask for supernatural wisdom. I pray for conversations that blow their minds. Lord God, I pray that words would come to them that would just, they would, they would stand aghast at their own like articulateness. Lord God, I pray, Father God, that the acts of kindness would come to them that would be astounding, Lord God, that understanding and, and compassion would come to them for the people around them. Lord God, I pray for open doors, for them to share parts of their story that, that bring that person closer to Jesus. Help them to walk many people into the kingdom step by step, Lord God. Father God, I ask that you would give them opportunities to invite them to church, to invite them to connect group, to invite them to a bride, to invite them into their world, Lord God. And I pray and ask, Lord God, that your power would rest upon them. Lord God, we have more than we think we do. Holy Spirit, make that evident to every single one of us. Lord God, I pray for opportunities to pray for the sick, to pray for the broken, and to see miracles, Lord God, to see transformations. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and do that through us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand. I'm going to invite Fire Squad, if you wouldn't mind coming forward now so that people have someone to receive them when they come forward for prayer. Thank you. Give them a hand as they come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go in God's glory. Be strong and courageous. Feel his power. Be those fantastic salad dressing bottles. Granite tops will bow before you. 
Amen and amen. God bless you. Please come forward if you need prayer for anything or just want to share what God has done for you in this in the service or in any other time. God bless you. Ignition is about to happen. Pastor Andrew is on his way there. You're welcome to follow him to Ignition. God bless you all. Amen and amen.